Welcome to the Known Legacy Podcast, by Dads for Dads, coming at you from the Lone Star State Cigar Shop in Allen, Texas. For more info, go to www.knownlegacy.org or look for us on social media under Known Legacy. Now here's your host, Bill and Travis. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, sunshine. I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. Wow. That was pretty good. That's impressive. I'm done for the day. I'm, I, I don't know many guys that can hit that note. It's not real masculine of wow. you. Wow. I'm offended. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, too. I don't, think, really, I don't think the tenor I don't of your voice... That easy. I don't think the tenor of your voice has anything to do with masculinity. I thought you thought it did. I, it sounded very serious when you said it to I me. Apologize. I apologize. Okay, so um, to be 100% <laughs> honest right I now... I apologize. <laughs> I do apologize to you for hurting your feelings. No, I, I've uh, I, we got so much stuff going on. So we're in the process of uh, renovating our house. Renovation. Not because we have a lot of money, but because... Um, well, I can't say why because my wife has asked me to not say why. So we're renovating our house, and uh, so we got people doing flooring. We're staying in a hotel. It is absolute Ooh. insanity. I got painting on the brain, Ooh. so I'm a little bit more dialed in serious than normal. So please, please forgive me. Well, we'll help you unwind. Don't you worry. Thanks, man. Thanks. We will help you unwind. Unwind. No, it's good. It's good. Well, listen, um, we're th- thanks for listening today, guys. Thanks for being a part of it. want to let you know we still have tickets for the uh, Known Legacy Conference coming up March 2nd. By the way, I'm so excited about that. I got a... Uh, so one of the big questions that I had recently was your breakout session for high school. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that for high school students or is that for high school parents? And I said, honestly, it's for the parents. Yeah. Because um, we have... Um, man, we got a lot to talk about because it is a hard, hard thing raising kids in today's yeah. culture and world. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about just preparing and uh, preparing our kids. What does it look like to prepare our kids and, and help them get ready for this crazy, crazy world where we're giving to them? Well, you're I, welcome. I like so the actually, name. it's just us saying, how do we tell our kids you're welcome? What Here's else the can world. I say to say you're welcome? <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I've only seen the movie once, so I have no ability to sing any of those songs. Well, I have a ten-year-old daughter, so I've seen it nine million times. So don't you worry. Isn't that Moana? It's Moana. Yeah. Moana. Yeah. It was actually a good movie. Ho Hakuna Moana. Nope, that was not. That was one like say, way long say ago. No worries. I think it's Hakuna Matata. Makata. Yeah. Matata. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna move on. No, I I'm, promise I'm, you, it's I'm just coffee in this cup. It's I'm, just know, coffee. Well, maybe. Well, this time, no, we're looking forward to to the breakout session. So it's gonna be a good time. Uh, you know, people are asking questions like, "Who can come?" And we're like, "Any parent of any age." So like, "Well, I don't have kids in the house." Well, you're still a parent, right? It's a parent that right. you're a parent, right? And here's the deal: what we're gonna tap in today a little bit is even if you are not. Even if you don't have a biological child, Correct. you still have a calling to be a spiritual father yeah. or a spiritual mother to someone, I promise you. Because just like you may not have biological um, kids, there may be some people out there that are longing for a healthy parent that they 
can help them navigate the spiritual reality that they're embarking on. Yeah. Is that so fair to say? yeah. So even so, even at the conference, take the time to you know sign up. If you're a grandparent, we'd love to have you there. It's a great date night. It's a great night out by yourself with some food, and there'll be a good concert from Matt Hammett, from uh, uh, the former lead singer of Sanctus Real. I'm kind of excited about that. He's he's really talented. He has so. a he has a rock star name. He does. Matt Hammett. You can check him out on matthammettmusic.com, I believe. Dot com. Fantastic. Yeah, he's making money, so it's probably a dot com. Yeah, and so it's check us out. By the, the, link, company. the link for the conference is going to be in the uh, bio for the podcast, so scroll on down there while you're listening. Hit that link and uh, sign up today. All right, so now that we're five minutes in and have covered nothing of value. <laughs> no, I'm just hey, kidding. that's very valuable. <laughs> so uh, genuine versus counterfeit. Yeah, um, I, share that story. So my mother-in-law just retired uh, from working at the Federal Reserve, which uh, is amazing because she literally dealt with millions of dollars every single day. And she was a... Millions. 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 Started off as thousands, but you know how things go. And so anyways, she was a money counter, which was like... Why don't they call people thousand heirs? Because that's like... I don't, you know, I, I don't know why, Bill. Why don't I, they? I people? don't know. It's just, it's a side <laughs> question, I guess I was just thinking out loud. We'll do some research on that and get yeah. back to you. If you know why they don't call them thousandaires <laughs> and they just started millionaires, I'm a little bit offended because well, there's a lot more of us thousandaires out there than there are millionaires. <laughs> correct, correct. And that may be Or why. even hundredaires. <laughs> that'd, that'd be great. Hi, I'm Travis Esquire. A hundred air. I'm a hundred air. <laughs> Come on back to the. I'm so sorry I sidelined The Mansion. It's got oh, wheels, so I can move it anywhere I need to oh. at any time with my hundred ohms. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I, yeah, go Continue. <laughs> so, this is going to be stellar. So anyways, part of her job is to uh, obviously count money. And so she'd bring money in from the bank, and she'd count it up and make sure that's right and everything else. And, and one of the things that she would always be tested on is um, catching counterfeits. Yeah. Catching counterfeits. And here was the amazing thing. when She had done it so long. Um, and, and her team had done it so long that they didn't even need to look at the money. So they were able to count the money f- tangibly with their fingers. And even if it passed by scanners and machines, they were able to, just by the feel, know when a counterfeit. And so they would have tests where uh, they would come in with a stack of dollar bills or $100 bills or, or million-dollar bills. I don't even know if those, that's a real thing. I've never seen one. And, um, and in there would be counterfeits, and they would expect 100% of them finding those counterfeits. And pulling those counterfeits as they're counting that stack, and it was just amazing. And, the, and, and when I talked to her about it, I was like, "How do how do you do that? Where do you learn? Did you train?" She goes, "No, no, no, I didn't train. You just when you spend so much time with the genuine thing, it's really easy to spot the fake." And I think that's part of the challenge that we have: is are we spending enough time with the genuine thing, God, Jesus, mm. so that we can spot the fake? Because there's a lot of clever honey to our ears comments and and philosophies out there that yeah. seem like oh that's that seems easy and good but to be able to discern no that's a fake that's not the real deal you only know that um, because you spend so much time with the genuine article. Yeah, I think that's the the question as we scroll through social media, we get on the news and we hear about masculinity being um, assassinated right now, I would say they're trying to assassinate masculinity. And I think in the midst of that we begin to see a whole bunch of false masculinities. And I guess we want to get rid of the counterfeit masculinity and find out what true masculinity is. 
And for those of us who who run to the word to say that, man, just like known legacy, we talk about the three filters. The first filter is, do we believe God's word is true? Right. So we believe God's word has has all truth for us to understand from, to go, this masculinity is within this. And so I think our the, the challenge that came frustrated for me is, is you know, we keep we we keep seeing this idea of masculinity uh, over and over again in our society. And we're like, yeah, yeah, that one sounds good. Or no, no oh, I, I like that one too. And we start to combine these things and almost kind of become. Um, uh, at some point, they either begin to cross over each other, or we get really confused, and then there's just conjumbled mess that we then go, well, this masculinity must be right, and uh, no, but then this one sounds good too. And so, right. so we just so I guess that's where we're going. We have this truckload of masculinity. How do we move forward in filtering out what's fake? Right. And I, and I think that's huge because I grew up, my, my grandfather was a construction worker. And so um, he had these really hard, tough, calloused hands and he would swing a hammer all day long. And, uh, you know, for me, when I was growing up, I'm like, that must be a man because he was caring for his family. He worked his tail off. The dude had weathered skin. And I'm like, that's a man. So, you know, that's unfortunately we can fall into those patterns where we identify someone we respect and think that's the singular definition of masculinity. And what we're saying is the, the, the spectrum of who God created men to be is much broader than if he swings a hammer and works on a car or he sings opera in, mm. uh, you know. And so my other grandpa who lived in Florida, he was a musician. That's where I got my creative stuff set. Mm. And obviously you can hear by my angelic voice how I probably you, follow him. You are, you do follow in suit I quite follow well. Him. I follow I follow my, my grandfather down in Florida singing, playing the saw. He did a folk band. He played a saw? He played the saw. With like a with one of those like with like a kind of like a rod and a saw kind of like, uh, yeah I think it was <laughs> what was that again do that again I need <laughs> sounds a little bit like a dog he it didn't does. play the dog <laughs> he didn't play the dog <laughs> he played the saw and it was with a uh, violin uh, bow violin bow that's what I was trying yeah. to get at yeah and uh, yeah so anyways, yeah and he, the Jews harp which I don't know if that's pro culturally. I don't, I don't even know what that's what is. What it, is that? It's that little thing that you put in your mouth. And it's you like yeah, exactly. That's what I uh, have always called. It. If I, I offended know. anyone, I deeply apologize. This is our ignorance I, coming out, right? I don't know. It, it could be called a metal harp in your mouth. Mouth harp. Mouth harp. That I don't would know. probably be better. Anyways, I don't know. So, anyways, um, but but to have that wide spectrum, and I think that's why um, we need to really nail this. Um, as dads and as influencers within our culture, within our church. Because if we come down wrong on this, really bad things can happen. Men can doubt their masculinity if they don't fit into a box that we created for them, when in truth, it is exactly who God created them to be. So, Bill, what what are some things that, as you've done the reading, if you've done some study in Scripture, what does Scripture have to say about true masculinity, not the vocation that he's called us to? That doesn't define us. But what is the, the core of what it means to be a Man. Well, it's funny. I went. I immediately think of Psalm 139, 14, where it says, We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And I remember I was talking to a group of fifth and sixth grade kids at a camp a, a while ago. And uh, and, and I remember in the midst of that, there was, there was no rationale as this, but there was that struggle in the very beginning with uh, the transgender issue and do I change, do, do I mutilate my body for for change. And, and at this present moment, there was a 10 year old, I think, I think it was a 10 year old at that point that the parents are, were allowing them to do, tr- to do gender, gender re reassignment, reassignment. That's what it's called. 
And so, so I'm looking at all these kids, and it was so interesting because I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to lose my job as I say this, but I'm just going to say it because it really didn't, didn't matter at that point in my heart because I felt as though we needed to hear this. And I saw boys out there who were, man, they were artsy, and they were caring, and they were sensitive. And I saw boys that were rough and tumble. Right. And I saw girls that wanted to get out there and kick the ball with the boys and rough and tumble. Right. And I saw girls that were sensitive. And so something in my spirit was just like, you know, we jumped to that verse. And I said, God, I said, boys, I said, if God made you a boy, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that is how God made you. And the, and the way that you're defined as a boy is God gave you that part. Right. Girls, you are fearfully. If you want to kick the ball and play soccer, and you're a girl regardless of what you do. Our actions don't dictate mm. who we are. And it was this, this weird pause. Um, I think I said, God doesn't look, or uh, uh, God looks on the heart and the parts. That's what I said. God looks on the heart and the parts. He made you a boy. You're made to be a boy. However you are, sensitive or rough, you're a boy. End of story. And it got really quiet, and every leader kind of like... Oh, yeah. I'm feeling that right now going, where are you going with this? And the kids started cheering. Really? It was the weirdest thing for me. I I thought it was just going to go over their head. But the kids started applauding because there's this tension already at that age that, oh, I'm not some, that I'm not made to be this. Right. And there's already pressure. And so I guess I'm saying that because... We, we, even as men, in the very beginning of their life, you know, I, I have a friend who, 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 who struggled with his sexuality for a long time, and the first time that he was called gay was in sixth grade. And he had never had what culturally was masculinity cast on him. Right. He was an artist. He liked fashion. He liked music. He didn't like sports. He didn't like to wrestle. But he was really good at art. He was really good at music. He really he enjoyed these things. And his mom was dominant in his life. So when he got put up against this culture of a masculine that said masculine does this and pulls splinters from their hand and all the things that I that I believe as well that I'm like okay these are that that was man things you know um, he didn't compare to that and therefore it started a whole divide right. because he didn't get to go back to the truth of God's word which said you are fearfully and wonderfully made right. to be a man and so because there was a box that was defined and he didn't fit necessarily in that box yes. nice and neatly he started to wonder well maybe I'm not and that can kick off a lot of things and I think that's just the natural teenage angst of how do I fit into this world yeah right yeah um, and, and so uh, you know I think we can we can say some things that temp typically, You'll find more in men, but does not define masculinity, like uh, competitiveness. Yeah. You know, there's a spectrum of competitiveness. Um, And yes, you may find that more dominant in in more men, but it's definitely there within women. And so I don't know if competitiveness is something we can hang our hat on. So, well, if you're competitive and you want to win at all costs, you must be a man if you're athletic, right? Yep. You must be a man because you're big and strong and you're athletic. You know, I know a lot of guys who um, who are not necessarily athletic, but have found their great gifts in other things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, um, uh, fearfully, wonderfully made. I love that that's the, the, the foundation of saying, you are who you are. It's not an accident. God created it, and there's a purpose behind it. And so, the unique gifts that he's given you along with that is something to be explored, 
something to be refined and something to be invested in because he wants those gifts to be a blessing to others. Yes. You know, and so don't minimize your masculinity or not masculinity within that. So what are some other things you picked up from scripture? Well, even, and and even as I'm digging through this, uh, as I'm digging through these scriptures, another thing came up to mind is that there was a study done and and they start kind of going through the heart of boys and about 98% of boys are what would be considered a rough and tumble. So the ones who, who, who their love language is rough, is wrestling, is kicking each other, is fighting, is punching, is kicking. And then there's this 2% that is basically, um, I guess I would say sensitive. And, the, and neither are wrong. It's just, just like you said, celebrating this masculinity. But now because we have this society that says this, we sometimes even cast it on the truth of the scripture. And so as I was looking at the scripture, the first thing that came to mind as we were digging through, even before we said what, what defines a masculine man is finding a contemporary in scripture that is like us. I believe wholeheartedly that God has put so many writers and stories in the scripture that, that we in ourselves uh, can, can always find a contemporary in there that says, I'm a, I feel like, or I seem to be a lot like this guy. Right. And so do, do you find one in scripture that may be kind of... So I'll be honest with you. Um, mine is probably Adam. Okay. Because I love to be naked and I eat whatever ever my wife gives me. And so that I just identify with that right away. And um, I'm kind of excited when my kids move out of the house because my naked room becomes my naked house. And hey, I will have go. a designated naked day. And so don't come over. Gosh. Is that is that what you're looking for? Not exactly. <laughs> not not ex- I mean, we can all associate with that at some point, but uh <laughs> oh man! So so I'll start no. with mine. Just kidding. Go, go for and maybe you have a second one. Well, a cl- cl- close second, a close second. <laughs> who you make contemporary with? Man, I I love. Um, I I think in some ways, uh, mine's probably uh, Joshua because okay. I've had some amazing men that have gone before me and done some amazing work to get uh, me to this position in this place of being a church planter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they've done a lot of the figuring stuff out that I never would have figured out. And so I have a chance to sit in their shadow and um, just kind of get to, to crazy, say, okay, God, what town today? And then run after that and, and watch the Spirit do what only the Spirit can do because so much hard work has been put in before. And so in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm, I'm a Joshua. Nice. You know, um, and Very calling cool. people to reconnect with, um, you know, the father in heaven. Um, you know, the, the whole crazy part of that story is when Joshua had to go back to the Israelite people and say, OK, we've been in the desert a long time. Um, we forgot to do something. See, when you were eight days old, you were supposed to be circumcised. And we didn't do that. So guess what happens? <laughs> Men. <laughs> Tomorrow. Do you really love God? <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> guess what? Oh, man. We're going to be down for a few days. So uh, <laughs> dude, dude, I'm not playing the saw. <laughs> yes, I'm not playing the saw. <laughs> but but oh. in a lot of ways, it's, it's returning back to um, the foundations, not yeah. being distracted by the latest, greatest coverings that we can sometimes find in the church, but getting back to the foundation. So again, Joshua's Josh, mine. What about guy? you? So my guy would be David. I just keep... Going I through love there, David. I do. I love his heart and his willingness. Sometimes feeling like, well, he was the underdog, 
you know, a lot of times I felt like I was the underdog. And so so to, to go along with this, you start with this ruddy looking under. I think the first thing that caught me was someone said he might have had red hair. I don't know if that's even true because he was ruddy. Well, I found out this weekend that uh, gingers are soulless. So yes, I don't know. Very, very true. <laughs> Thank you, very St. True. Peter Men's Ministry. <laughs> so exactly. Gingers are soulless. And so, so anyway, so, so with that, I think for me, I loved it. But I also found in this contemporary, just this heart that wanted to keep going that kept seeing giants and kept going after them. Right. And was never looked at like he's the guy. Well, okay. And so let's dive into that real quick. Yeah. Because David, you're right. He's the runt. Yeah. And so um, they, the Israelite nation originally chose their king on all of the characteristics that they thought was masculine. Yeah. They found the tallest guy by about a foot. Saul. Mm-hmm. They found the, the the most masculine guy, the guy who looked the part and yet internally did not have the character to do what he was called to do. Yeah. He was a, he was scared. He ran and hid more often than not. He didn't follow the will of the Lord. He didn't stand up to the Goliaths. He often uh, cowered in, in fear. And, and then you see David, who's the complete opposite of that. He was the smallest in his family. He was forgotten by his father. I know. Yeah. Talk about a wound. He was a poet. Yep. He was a musician. He was probably into art. Mm-hmm. He was he was everything that that our culture today says. Oh well, he probably talked a little different. You know, Could he have. probably probably you know, and and yet David was he's a dancer. He's yep. the one that danced, he danced naked. He was so moved by the spirit that his reaction was not it was to dance naked, man after my own heart. <laughs> <laughs> Before, before the Lord, you know, yeah, yeah, and, and um, well, he had a loincloth on, so you know, you know, but but, but you're you're right, and, and 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 so there's something about David that makes him a man, yeah, after God's own heart that has nothing to do with the exterior stuff that we tend to lay our hat on and go, oh, well. Obviously, that's a man, you know. Yeah, and so I, I love that. So keep going into David. And I think you know, even as he as he was going to face Goliath, he was like, you know, I faced a lion and I killed him. I faced a bear and I killed him. And 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 the whole time he was like, God was with me as I helped kill these. You know, as I killed these people, why would he not be with me with with Goliath? Right. And so even from that that young age, he saw the bigger picture of who God was, not the picture of. Oh no, like, oh, th- this is impossible. But he just kept seeing God step by step. He got his heart close to God. He, he, was, he, was, he was caught after the character of God, even as a young age, that he would sit out there in the field and write these Psalms. And so, but I also love that he was honest. And so for me, so, so you're, you're, you're picking on some of the characteristics that I think we can say are, are um, not exclusive to men. No. But tend to define a true biblical masculine heart. Yeah. And it's it's a, a passion for truth. Yeah. Um, being willing willing to um, overcome fear because of faith in the Father. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and, um, and that's, you know, being, being willing to take a stand and do the right thing, even though it may cost you everything. Well, it, and it wasn't even the doing of his stuff. It was the stance that he took. So that was long before he did anything that he like, no, God's got this. So he walked into the situation before physically doing anything and going, God's got this. And I think that's what we kind of overlook so quickly. It wasn't that he killed the giant. It was that he said, God can kill this giant. And right. then he walked out there with a couple stones and killed him. And cut his head off, which is awesome with his own sword. <laughs> but I, but but I also love David's honest heart. And so in Psalm 13, I love this because we all have bad days, 
And I think that's one thing we overlook. Like we think yeah. that everyone in scripture was, uh, you know, uh, flannel graft in and they like walked in, you know, Jesus walked on water. But like well, this, didn't I, Jesus have like uh, blue uh, eyes and blonde hair, blue and eyes, blonde hair. And he, he had that, always had that sash. red sash. Yeah. And I think in Hebrew, Indicating. it actually read uh, uh, universe winner guy. <laughs> universe, universe. <laughs> Mr. Universe. Yeah, that's what I was trying creator. to say. <laughs> Mr. Universe creator. Um, oh, I didn't see the creator part. Anyways, on um, the backside. Exactly. So, but I, but I love his honest heart. So I, I think this is where it starts. It starts with honesty. But even there in, in uh, uh, Psalm 13, David, David wrote this one. He was like, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in your soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Um, and I love it because he's like, he, he, he his honest heart was like, this sucks. Like, if you could take two words, like, in those first two verses, this sucks, God. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it says three words. But anyways, just this idea, you had to look up and count them. One, <laughs> well, two, Well, I was like, well, you could three. hyphenate it. I guess you could. <laughs> just, you know, just hyphenate it. This sucks, God. But it's just this idea of he was honest in front of the Father. He was broken. He was like, I'm mad at you. And so I like that about him, too, because he wasn't afraid to be honest. So part of masculinity is not ignoring our emotions or, or feelings. No. Which we often... In our culture, we see a, a man cry, and there seems to be a stigma about that. There must be something wrong with right, you. Right, right. Um, and because you don't have complete control over your emotions. And I think what you see in David is he didn't shy away from his honest, true emotions. He just didn't allow his emotions yeah. to, to, um, to uh, uh, what am I saying, um, to negatively affect his view yeah. of his heavenly father. Yeah. Like, he was able to sit there with honesty going... I'm in a really bad place. Yeah. But God, you're still a good God. And this is not what I wanted, but this is what is. Yeah. And so I'm going to trust you as a good God yes. to do what only you can do. But I'm not going to pretend like everything's great. I'm going to be 100% honest with you, with myself, and with others who may hear. Because the fact that we have that psalm is is the reality that he wrote it down yeah. to be published, to be shared, or someone was in the room with him writing Correct. it down to be published and shared and then set to music. Yeah. You know? So so I think that's it. Like he he allowed his heart to be spoken and people were like, oh no, like you know, it's like we joke even on, on Friday we joked around and I said, Okay guys, first thing we do we're we're gonna share our greatest fear. And it was a <laughs> joke, but but there's still this idea of like, but if you really if we really had balls as a man, we would do those kind of things. So so in going into there also at the same time, David screwed up really bad. Like, oh, yeah, he I did. Mean, to the point, uh, he obviously killed somebody and slept with a guy's wife. So uh, there's a lot, there's not a lot more you can do that's like, you know, red, red letter. Right. But at the very end, after Nathan the prophet comes in and he says, you're the man who, who did this, what, woe to you, David then got on his face in front of the father and oh. then wrote this down and said, in verse, in chapter 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And he goes through and just says, God, I'm sorry. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. So at the same time of his writhing and his, and he had other ones in between that were, oh, praise the Lord and all that he does. But this one, he was like, I'm going to write this one down. I know that there's, you know, if you read through 1 Samuel after 13, you start going through all the chapters as he becomes king. I know there's chapters in there, especially the one with, with 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 Bathsheba that he's like, 
man, I wish I could write this one out. Like, I wish I couldn't. But he doesn't. But he doesn't. And, exactly. and, and the Holy Spirit doesn't write it out. No. And it's included because I think, again, you see the character of a man who made a mistake. Yeah. It doesn't hide from it and doesn't try to pretend like it was no big deal. But he's honest with it when it's brought to him saying, yeah. dude, you messed up. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes the pride can, can kill many a man. Yeah. Because we feel like if we show weakness... Yeah. That, or we show failure, or we show, um, inca- you know, whatever it is, that um, somehow we're less of a man. When in truth, what you see in David is like, no, 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 no. He he had the mirror held up to him, and he looked at it, and he goes, "Man, have mercy on me. Yeah. I am I am effed up." Exactly, and that's it. Like so, so for him to take the time to stop. He was masculine. He was a man, and he stopped and said, "God, I need to be humbled." And so, so when I when I think all this, the bigger picture, the thirty thousand foot view, we want to take from this week because we'll talk again next week about what biblical masculinity looks like, at least as we perceive this and look at this. But find a contemporary, find someone, ask God to go. God, show me someone in the Scripture that I am like, right, and begin to dig this out. If you don't have a person. Look up, look up Joshua in the in the book of Exodus. Look up David in First uh, Samuel thirteen and start reading that story this week. Of I want to find my guy because Joshua, uh, uh, David, First Samuel, all these books are kind of like the Braveheart or the three hundred of the Bible, like right. just warriors, right? Warriors. So, um, so it's a it's a principle that uh, I fully believe in, and I call it the Paul Timothy principle, and it's it's the New Testament kind of what you see in the Old Testament sometimes, is um, Paul became the spiritual father of this young guy named Timothy, and he invested in in um, Timothy to teach him and training, discipling him on how to not just be a man but be an influencer in the culture for the cross of Christ, and I think that's fascinating. And I look at my own life and I realize. Um, I am where I am today because someone um, took on that role of being a spiritual father. Now, I had a good mm. spiritual, I had a good father. Mm-hmm. I, I really did. But this guy, he was a junior in high school, I was a freshman in high school, and he was kind of the, the rebel. And he was at a retreat his, his junior year before school started. And the whole retreat was like, who are you mentoring? Who are you the spiritual, who are you called to be the spiritual father to? And for whatever reason, the spirit put my name on his heart. Wow. And that freshman year, he didn't tell me, he didn't come to me and say, guess what? I'm going to be your spiritual father. He just invested in me and he challenged me in my spiritual walk. And he would often say, dude, it's time to get off the fence. You're, you're, you're lukewarm. Get hot or cold. I don't care which one. Just do yeah, one. Yeah. And he became my spiritual father because he took on that role without me even knowing it and invested in me. And then I had a chance to pay that forward when I was a junior in high school. I didn't even realize it at the time, but there was this guy in my, my class who, Danny Ray is his uh, stage name, and uh, he's a illusionist, a phenomenal, phenomenal illusionist. He, he goes around the world literally doing um, magic and teaching the Word of God at the same time. It's absolutely fascinating. And uh, he went through a really hard time, and I invested in him. And uh, he, his girlfriend broke up with him. He was devastated. He goes, dude, I, I don't know what to do. I was like, well, will you pray about it because I had nothing else to say. Yeah. He goes, I don't even know how to pray. I said, oh, well, let me, Let's let talk me teach about you. <laughs> yeah. That moment kicked off his spiritual journey where he is now um, the spiritual father of not only his family, but his his older brothers and siblings and, and beyond. And so um, it is fascinating to see how when we're honest and, and get to the heart of it, we have a chance to be the spiritual fathers of, of the men around us that we may not even realize. Yeah. And, you know, to, to wrap it, I think 
what, what we're trying to say is we are becoming what those behind us will become. So as we invest... Ooh, say that again. Say that again. That was good. That was good. <laughs> we are becoming what those behind us will become. Ooh. So it's up to us to make the step to go find the guy who I'm like, and God help me to follow him as he follows Christ. Right. And then help those behind me to follow me as I follow Christ. We, it's not about us. We probably should have started the podcast off with that that phrase because that was a great one. That's okay. It's, we'll, so. we'll, we will end it. We'll drop it there. We'll mic drop it there. Could, could you say, say it one more time? We are becoming what those behind us will become. That's fantastic. So we're grateful for you guys. We, we believe in you. Go find your contemporary. Take the week to search out the scriptures, the truth of who God is, and then the truth of someone who's like you and become who they were. Love it. God bless you guys. Have a good one. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to By Dads for Dads on the Known Legacy podcast. Look for us on social media under Known Legacy or go to www.knownlegacy.org to stay connected. For booking or questions, email us at info at knownlegacy.org.